It's Friday, March 5th. You're listening to the Tech Breakfast Podcast, the show that brings you delicious tech news headlines and all the gossipy hot takes you can handle with Tyler Gates, Russ Cantwell, and Aaron Bewley. How's it going, fellas? Hello. What up? Yeah, yeah. What was that noise? Uh, that's That was me attempting to channel my kids' excitement because we're going camping this weekend and they noise. are bouncing off the walls. Noise. I don't know. Yeah, how Tyler to... didn't get enough camping during the great winter of Texas, also known as Snowvid. <laughs> Snowvid. Snowpocalypse. Did you say Snowvid? Snowvid. He's yes, coughing. he did. Snowvid. He's coming. <laughs> Very appropriate. <laughs> had to go on mute for a second. Yeah, I had to go on mute to to cover up the Rona coming out of myself. Oh, man, I got to hide his video again. Tyler, we need to make a shirt. Like, we need to have a couple of different TBP merch stuff that is like some of the things we say on the show. We need a Tyler shirt that says "So good, so good." (laughs) I'll have to go get just a still of the uh, animation that came from. That came from an animation. He immediately switched to interacting with someone inside of his home, and it was uh, it was beautiful. It was a work of art. I I wish the the show listeners could have seen what just happened in this moment. Uh, it was quick. I'm impressed. Uh, do we have uh, this day in tech history? No, or? dude, there's nothing really. There's nothing no? really. Yeah. Well, that's unfortunate. Maybe we should do something really cool today so okay. that next year we can describe what we did today yeah. in this day in tech history. Mm. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, like the, this the episode closest happened thing... this day in tech history sort of thing. What should we do? Yeah, the closest thing there was, what was it, March 3rd? So they published it, you know, after our, we recorded the show two days ago. On March 3rd, 2004 was when Michael Dell stepped down as CEO of Dell Computers. And then Kevin Rollins took over. And then he was fired in January 2007. And Michael Dell took back over again. I was about to say, I was like, wait a minute. In the wrong direction. What does he do now? <laughs> I'm so confused. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, he had stepped down as CEO and then he came back three years later. So he pulled a Steve Jobs although it was maybe more of his own volition and not getting fired and then coming back sort of. Thing. Yeah. Um, so we're closing in on 20,000 plays. Probably hit that next week or so. We got some good giveaways in the works. Exciting for our <laughs> listeners. Can't really talk about the details right now as we're kind of piecing it all together. Are, are but, we able uh, to win the giveaways? No. Yeah. You, you will want to. Russ. real questions. You will uh, want to. All right. But, Ooh, uh, we well, can't win. Tyler. Okay. They're not for Who us. Who made that rule up? They're not. I did. <laughs> I think I it did. just happened <laughs> live on the air. <laughs> I think it's kind of like a social contract of like, if you're going to give something away that you don't give it to yourself. <laughs> yeah, but it, but if I had a chance that I could fix it so that my chance was 100%. Okay, we're not going to tell. I can't fix it, it to 100% mm. if I don't have a chance at all. Okay. Remember when we talked about removing him because of his big brain? <laughs> this is one of those situations where it makes sense. All right. <laughs> I want to start. Yeah, let's get into tech news. Okay, before we hit tech news, we, we got? talk about space a lot. Uh, today in space, there's going to be a, quote, god of chaos asteroid or a demon asteroid. It's being called a few different things in the news articles that's going to Thanos. go flying by Earth today. <laughs> but there's a little bit more to it, okay? It's the size of the Eiffel Tower. It's the size of the Golden Gate Bridge. It's the size of whatever. You know, it's like 1,200 feet long, uh, 435 meters or whatever. So it's dubbed Apophis. Is that how you say it? A-P-O-P-H-I-S? It's an ancient Egyptian it. demon. Sure. Uh, it was first spotted in 2004. Here's the thing, though. It doesn't really pose any danger this week because it's going to pass at 40 times the distance from Earth to the moon, like 90 million miles. So not going to hit us. Okay. But Close. Close April though. 13th, 2029, it comes back by. It is going to be 90% closer to the Earth than the moon is. That's cool. It's it's going to go flying by at the at the level of some of the uh, the low Earth orbit satellites. I was going to say, are we afraid for some of our satellites? Yeah, yeah, we probably will be. It's probably going to take out you know a dozen or so Starlink satellites. <laughs> but uh, in seriously, April twenty twenty nine, it'll be just nineteen thousand miles away. Can we? That's like, awesome. Can we? It's like shove right it? there. You'll be able to can see. We it catch with, it. You'll be able to can see you it with the naked it? eye. You're a big guy. <laughs> you'll be able to see it with the naked eye in twenty twenty nine that's cool that's i feel like we should be trying to catch that i mean obviously it's gonna be moving quite fast calendar. but what if it has cool stuff in it so this is why with, we need moon lasers with everything Beep you boo. calculate there's percentages yes exactly thank you that's what the point i was going to get to with everything you calculate <laughs> there's there's percentages and it said that there's a three percent chance that it'll actually collide with the planet in 2029 so we got eight years 
Three percent. Twenty twenty nine. There's a three percent chance that we end up like the dinosaurs. Is that what you're saying? Unless <gasps> we can get the space which, lasers. Which we didn't mention this in the show, but that was an article that I put in our notes a, like a week ago. Which one? Dinosaurs? We have we have the most conclusive evidence ever that it was actually a meteorite slamming into the Earth or an asteroid that that did wipe out the dinosaurs. I thought we were. Were we that. not sure about yeah. that? So apparently we, we didn't have that. conclusive evidence, uh, uh, and and we got it. So we found asteroid dust in uh, one of the expected potential craters for that um, that event, right? And it's the it it's in Mexico. Um, I swear, I thought Yucatan you were going to say Peninsula. I swear you're going to say they found asteroid dust in like a a whole dinosaur preserved, like in in the uh that would have been cool what's the stuff from the dinosaur movie oh my gosh my brain's not working with the dinosaur movie lost remember when they had the (laughs) what the land i know exactly what you're talking about jurassic land before time look at that jurassic park jurassic park (laughs) remember when they pulled the dna the the blood of the dna out of the mosquito yes yes in the uh in the amber amber thank you yeah Anyway, I was hoping that you were going to tell me that they found like a whole dinosaur in amber or something, and then they pulled yeah, they it apart and found asteroid they, dust in the lungs. They found asteroid dust in the. I'm not even going to try to pronounce that crater. <laughs> so what does that tell us? If there's asteroid dust in a crater, how do they know? Well, it was a crater that that I, I imagine it's the uh, amount or the the level of dirt and where it is, you know, chronologically in the layers, and so there's there's asteroid dust right where we expect it to be. So okay. yeah, from a core se- core section, the geologic layer has all the right elements to tie it back to that event. Okay, we should get to technology, huh? That that was cool. I feel like you just confirmed something that I already knew. Yeah, yeah I felt that weird. way too. But but apparently, uh, you've been lied to, and we didn't no. have enough conclusive evidence or any conclusive evidence. I don't know which one until like now, basically. That's it. Uh, Kate isn't going to school. They're all liars. <laughs> Russ, are you going to go to any Mavericks games when you're over all this? Uh, yes. Actually, first I have to ask, do you own any Dogecoin? I do not own any Dogecoin. Did you see that the Mavs are going to accept Dogecoin for tickets and merchandise? I That's did. And awesome. did you see the reason for that? <laughs> no, I didn't. The primary reason is because Mark Cuban is a hero. Oh, well, yeah. Why. I mean, I knew that. Like, I, <laughs> My brain immediately was like, oh, duh, Mark Cuban. He's pushing this stuff like crazy, right? So, why yeah. Doge? I, I, I mean, think, I think it's hilarious, it but why awesome. Doge? Yeah, I don't know why you would pick Doge. Like, go pick something else that's literally not a joke. That attempted to be real? Yeah. Not a joke anymore. <laughs> yeah. It's now real it's like, because yeah. of the heroes. That's uh, disturbing. That, did you see NBA Top Shot? You know what that is? Did y'all talk yeah, about that? No, yeah, no, I, I saw a bunch that? of b- bunch of news on this. What's the deal? Aren't they yeah, all my brother Top and I are trying Isn't to that how the NBA works? So Top Shot is basically the ability to buy ownership of i'm going to call it digital cards but really they're like clips so think of just clips of big plays in the nba like luca's oh. shot to win the game oh. and you buy it and it ties to like they basically use crypto or whatever to to tie it to as, yeah, a, these as are the non-fungible asset. tokens sure and you own the footage of that play you do but not like in a way that you get residuals like you could go right. and watch this stuff you know on youtube if you wanted to but it would be like owning a trading card type right. of thing but digitally and like some of this stuff is going for crazy money like there's already over 200 million dollars in sales for this and what's interesting is is it's what? a lot like it's getting a, a card deck from back in the day meaning you would get a deck full of player cards but you didn't know which ones you were going to get so oh, my no, brother got found like ended up getting uh, in line to be able to get one and they i guess he got selected for whatever the process is he bought some and it came with a card or a deck of like a couple different of these plays that he owns he's he really wants a a luca play specifically and so Dude, i think he's gonna that's a neat idea gets one. that that is that's crazy we Meanwhile, we talked about it russ after uh was that last time after he after he left the non-fungible tokens being used for digital art now as well yep and uh i actually learned that of a couple other use cases recently um one is they're they're using a similar concept to basically use derivative crypto to create things like smart contracts for cryptocurrencies that don't have smart contracts which is really clever it's almost like a um well derivative like i said but it think of it like an escrow an escrow that that uses one currency's settlement and 
another crypto's capability most of the time for smart contracts, something like Ethereum, right? Like an Ethereum backing um, to, to basically attach and track a smart contract to another settlement's capabilities. So think of like being able to, to place the right to sell something. You use this alternative uh, token to basically create the options contract that would live on top of another calculus now i'm i'm like all confused yeah, on a friday morning it, it, it was a it was a really interesting <laughs> article that it basically it's uh it, the capability of attaching other functionality to a different crypto so you think yeah. basically an options contract it isn't it's not really money or shares of a stock it's it's just the right to buy those things right yeah or yeah, to, yeah. to receive them right well, they're talking about being able to do the same thing with cryptocurrency. So if you take a cryptocurrency that has a, an incredible settlement network, maybe it's greener than Bitcoin, faster than Bitcoin, as an example, right? These things yeah. exist. But it wasn't designed to have things like smart contracts, where you can actually attach something like a digital asset to it, and it's non-fungible, it's easy to track, that sort of thing. Well, you either have to go develop that into the cryptocurrency, which is a non-trivial effort, or you can use something like these other currencies that are, are becoming basically derivatives. And the derivative asset is designed to track the price of the original settlement asset and bring in functionality to it. And so I, I, anyways, it, it, it increases the use cases for just about any kind. Like Doge could actually do stuff with a derivative crypto like this, which is okay. uh, clever. Yeah, I'll My have to dig part into that. About topics like this is how I can hear Tyler think. Yeah, you know, the thing that I found very interesting about this, and uh, I just, I, I just googled um, most valuable comment on this topic, and uh, someone on Twitter came up, and it was uh, R Cantwell E three is what it was. Uh, and so it was, as the physical and digital worlds collide, the concept of asset value does as well. We saw this with digital items in games. I like how he recognized that. And we will see it with more assets. Blockchain tech may be the, the key link to connect all of this in the future. So whoever this this person was, this R. Cantwell individual on Twitter, <laughs> the, the point that he was, <clears throat> he was trying to make is that we've already been able to establish value in digital assets in yeah. a way that people couldn't understand. Like yeah. people don't understand that there are $200,000 digital items in Counter-Strike yeah. based mm -hmm. on what some people view as artificial scarcity. Like that's not a thing sure. like, like that. We don't already create artificial scarcity in the real world. And that generates value. This is just a way to tie that type of scarcity to something that is a little bit more finite in the idea of crypto or blockchain being tied to that asset. And so it will actually make things make more sense as you tie value to digital assets, which people have a difficult time wrapping their head around because the marginal cost of you know creating more and more digital assets in theory is, is zero, right? Yeah. So that is, that is the idea that I think is really cool here for more and more things that will go digital. And so once again, random dude on Twitter, Dude seems sharp. Um, uh, maybe go, <laughs> we can go follow him. The ease of three. Yeah. Yeah, follow that guy. Uh, two other things that I was thinking of as y'all were bringing this stuff up. There was one I saw yesterday. Uh, a blockchain company bought a $95,000 Banksy artwork. Y'all know Banksy. Mm -hmm. They burned it and broadcast it live on Twitter. And then they sold that as an NFT. What? I don't have any words Exactly. Yeah. You're like, what? It's just, but, it's just but I think goofy. But I mean, I, I think I get it. I just don't get it, right? Like, I yeah. understand what they just did, and I, I even follow through how it's going to end up being valuable, right? But I am a little bit at a loss. Yeah, you can go see it on Twitter at Burnt Banksy, B-U-R-N-T Banksy. <laughs> that's that's yeah, hilarious. I, don't know. I can't find so, how much they sold it for. But well, one other thing, real quick, with the Top Shot thing, I was watching. Uh, I was watching my uh, my my team's basketball game. That sounds really like nerdy to say it that way. Yeah, I was watching basketball did. last night. <laughs> I'm not trying to, whatever. I don't know how to say this. <laughs> what? Anyway, at the bottom there was a uh, there was a Tom Brady. It, what are you laughing at? You? You? Me? Well, what am I watching that? That the the, bas the thing in the basketball with the. Stuff. Okay, so they use basketball. this orange spear. <laughs> Sorry, it's usually orange. Not always the orange. It. They throw it at my at team's dumpster basketball basket game. The I wall. Anyway. 
you were talking about Top Shot and getting, you know, you get the packs and you get like the rare cards and all that kind of stuff. And it reminded me at the bottom, the little scroller at the bottom of the, the game that was being played, somebody sold a Tom Brady rookie card for $1.5 million this Boom. past week. So wow. now later today, I'm going to go look through all my, uh, all I, my sports cards. I would have been a, a lot better at collecting <laughs> sports cards if they were digital and I couldn't screw them up. Yeah, there you like go. a lot that's better. True. You don't mess <laughs> up the edges and all that. I yeah. probably would have lost the hard drive. Well, the thing that's interesting <clears throat> about this whole thing is that the the NBA has sort of had a problem where it is a highlight league, and yeah. they have struggled yeah. to find ways to generate revenue off Monetize of it. a generation of people who there don't watch full games. They Got just it. go check out the highlights, and so. Mm. This is an interesting thing where I'm assuming NFTs. that they are getting something here uh, out of this entire thing. That, that I'm sure they will. Off of it. So that's just a, it's, it's a very interesting way other than what I assumed that they would have done, which is, you know, make money off of a YouTube channel of people watching NBA highlights or, or something like yeah. that. Yeah. And I'm excited for that, right? Like this is where non-fungible tokens creates a, a literally enables economies like that. Right. And, and you can sit back and just say, I don't get it. I don't know why people pay for a digital clip because it's even one step further than why someone would pay a million plus dollars for a trading card. But it, it's obviously true at this point that there is a market for these things, right? And to your, to your video game example, to the ability to create digital assets, create false scarcity or whatever you want to call it. I mean, it's not false. It is scarce. Whether it has value is determined by the buyers. I, I say it's a lot like traditional art, um, but obviously different camps, right? The the folks that are paying big money for, for traditional art are probably pretty confused as to why someone would pay for a, a gif of a basketball player, but that's basically what's happening, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's yeah. but it's neat. It's clever. It is it is a very interesting use case, and I think it's le- yet another quiver in the crypto, uh, you know, or arrow in the qu- crypto quiver that just says it's here to stay. Like this stuff isn't going anywhere. It's right. the use cases are going to proliferate, and I would say the only thing that might happen at some point is a, a reckoning of how many are really relevant. Right? We don't need thousands of cryptocurrencies. Maybe, yeah. but. I don't. I actually don't know how that. I, I don't know if it ends up being a collapsed market at some point. Where you have six to do all the things, or if it we makes hundreds, sense to have three hundred thousand. We have hundreds of real world currencies already. Well, yeah, but one of the one of the original targets of stuff like Bitcoin was to create a yeah. deflationary global asset. Right. And so, but what if it just moves into like f- functional asset classes? Like, there's a food coin. Well, sure, a, that's a, that's basically what home. happened in the development. But why yeah. why do you there's want like a that? rent and mortgage coin? No, I don't we know. We talked about this. I, I think I think having a coin for all those things breaks the usefulness of crypto at scale, right? I, I like that it's happening, especially because if someone creates a, a currency focused on a particular transaction type, it probably highlights things that should happen for that currency, things that must mm-hmm. happen for that currency to be effective in the space. Yeah. And if you took Ethereum as a baseline and said, I need these things in it, you're not going to get the development of Ethereum to change. So creating sure. a specialized coin that tracks how the housing market, whatever it is, makes sense now. But at some point, it would be a lot easier for everyone to adopt if it was a single currency or yeah. something like I was just talking where any additional feature functionality is based on a single or maybe a couple different derivative currencies where everyone uses Nano, but they use this derivative currency to bring feature functionality to Nano as opposed to every little thing we want to do that's different gets its own crypto. Okay. You're I, I think derivative for, currency. <laughs> I think for global adoption, it has to be simple. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree and, with you. And, and arguably, right, it can't be any more complicated than, or well, it can be. Obviously, the stock market kind of makes this true. But you need yeah. the baseline asset that is a store of value that can be converted to some other asset type simply, and then back and forth. That's how fiat works. It's adoptable. It's easy. It actually has control, which is part of the reason decentralization is such a big deal. But if we're going to see this adoption happen at scale and make it useful, you need something that can tra- transact with a fairly low burden of cost and you need something that is a safe and stable place to store value. Yeah. 
crypto is one of those things right now, but with deflationary assets at some point, anything that's deflationary can become, will become a stable currency, right? Once it's stable, then it makes sense to use it as a baseline for settlement to some extent, right? Anyways. Well, let me let me close this by telling you why Tyler is wrong again. Um, I prefer complexity because I feel like it gives me an advantage. Uh, but for any of this <laughs> there stuff go. to work, uh, we need to have the internet. And uh, now talk about the internet. Uh oh, what's happening briefly. with the internet? Um, well, the internet is done. It's over. No, I'm just kidding. Do, do we decentralize it's gonna, it? It's going to continue on. We did decentralize it right when we made it. Um, <laughs> the so, do you guys know what the definition? This shirt is just going to say decentralize. <laughs> decentralize. Do, there you, go. do you guys know what the minimum definition for broadband internet is in the United States of hundred megs? It's probably like two. Bad guess. Um, Isn't it fifteen? 15 or 16? It is 25 megs down, 3 megs up. That is the minimum to be considered. You know what's amazing is that was only changed six years ago, and it was considered a major win for the internet. Previous to that, it was like 3 megs down and 1 mega. I was going to say, because I had broadband. It was 3 megs down and 512 kilobits. Well, I remember when it was that low, but I just assumed, assumed it was much higher now, I guess. You know, it moved up quite a bit percentage-wise, right? So 25-3. Well, there is a new proposal. Basically, I think uh, the Senate or something is is basically pressuring the FCC to change this definition to 100 by 100. Great, which is what I think it should be. I'm thrilled that they're finally doing a a a duplex, um, you know, down up, you know, parity. That that alone is great. Yeah, instead of getting 50 and two. I agree. I think it's I think it's a huge, huge thing. I, I obviously hope it comes through. People are already lobbying against it, saying that the current definition is fine. And then and then the immediate response to that is the average the zoom recommendation for a one singular 1080p video is 3.8 megabits per second. So if three is the minimum for upload, oh gosh. we're going to struggle to work from home and to do school from home and all of these other things. And don't go like tell they're going to in a future state as, as right. if they aren't now, right now. It, having exactly. Zoom gets better this. as hollow mesh comes out. as all this kind of stuff. It's, and don't don't try and tell Those someone. Are all we'll just set it to 720p. Like no one knows how to do that. They go buy a digital camera. That digital camera comes defaulting at 1080p because that's considered a low resolution these days. And then all of a sudden their internet resolution. doesn't work, and they're like, "What's it's going terrible. on, bro? Like who's playing Xbox? Like that's <laughs> that's what people do." And then I get upset Kevin, because they don't understand how little bandwidth Xbox takes up. And so those are the types of things that need to be fixed. We need internet for all of this decentralization of centralized assets, and yeah. we need it to be faster. So 100 faster. by 100, I support this. Uh, I, that will probably be something that I will be using as my campaign when I run for president 2024. Wow. Uh, and uh, if oh, it's not before then. So anyways. The slogan is going to be the E is a three. That's right. Okay. And the three <laughs> is a warning. You got it. There it is. You got to get out of here or what? I'm going to start talking about China. Do you want to stay around for that or you got to call you to go to? I got to get out of here. I do want to talk about China because uh, I understand things are going on yeah. there with like chips and brains and stuff. Oh, well, this one, this one is called the Sharp Eye Program, where China is suspected to have already achieved this, but my eyes mass are surveillance smooth. of 100% of public spaces is now fully under surveillance. Wow. Okay. So that's terrifying. So I'm going to leave. And yeah. go to my next engagement, but I'll, I'll catch you on the flip and I'll listen to the uh, surveillance of the brains and the eyes of China. No, I'll catch you later. Yeah. All right. Bye, Russ. That's, that is horrifying. And I mean, think, think about scope, scale, size, China. That, that is one heck of an undertaking. Um, yep. And, and it's, yeah, that's, that's bad. I'm going to go with it. That's just outright. I think, I think mass surveillance is bad. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of cameras with the goal to cover blanket every square inch of public space. Well, uh, let's let's hope that at least it makes the public more safe because it certainly doesn't make it more private or well here's the here's the crazy thing, dude. It's not just cameras. Like it's not it's not just that aspect of it. Sure. But the, the cameras aren't just monitored by police. They aren't just automated facial recognition algorithms to which this article goes on to say that the, 
they can run a an accurate um query within like 99.5% accuracy within like, you know, 20 seconds or something across the entire population of China. Wow, looking for somebody, right, that they see in a video. Uh, but it says through special TV boxes installed in their homes, local residents can watch live security footage anywhere, right? And they can press a button to some summon police if they see anything that's amiss. Oh, wow. The security that's... footage can also be viewed on smartphones. Holy cow. That's, As, have you, did you ever read the book? We? No, it's like it's like a of... Russian 1984. And that is entirely too eerily similar to what that it like summary executions. Here we go. Yeah, I got <laughs> that's I next. Mean, just immediately gave me this view of like somebody in their house, like looking out their blinds of their front, you know, the front of their house and like looking <laughs> to see if they see anything suspicious and then just hitting a red button to call police or whatever. I don't you know I, I mean? don't like it. That just it makes or my skin sitting, crawl. Yeah, I hate it. Yeah, just sitting on an app, like looking at, you know, surveillance footage and saying, "Oh, that looks weird." I'm gonna summon. Ah, man, that I, I just, I don't feel like systems like that ever end up being good. They're never used for good things, and that's that's unfair. I'm sure there are some positive use cases, like public safety, but. Oh, it's too much. It's too much power. It's too much lack of privacy. It's I can I can see more absolute terrible end states for that kind of technology than I can see upside. One hundred percent. Like yeah. it, it is it is a wildly imbalanced equation. It just gets crazy, man. So the Golden Shield project, run by the Ministry of Public Security, is in part responsible for the country's strict internet censorship. But the program also included physical surveillance. The MPS created databases that included 96% of China's citizens with one titled the National Basic Population Information Database. It includes household registration information, uh, uh, past yeah, and, I, and this is where I can see some, some parts of that that's history. interesting, right? Like think about having a broad and accurate U.S. census. That's not bad. We, we basically get social services from census data. So if the census is inaccurate, you get less money or more money inappropriately. And it's not like, there, I get it. There are some good things. But then, yeah, you go straight from basically real-time accurate census data to we know everywhere you've ever been and why. And it's like, well, what the heck do you need that data for? <laughs> yeah. And tell me why people keep using the word Skynet. But uh, Chinese state-run media has claimed Skynet can scan the entire Chinese population in one second with 99.8% accuracy. That that seems like you're just asking for it. Don't call it Skynet. Yeah. There's Skynet a, uh, is you built something really powerful and it got away from you and did terrible things. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Oh man, there's a uh, there's a crypto I was reading about, Ugh. Uh, a Sia coin that uh, that is also working on a project called Skynet. Thanks. Anyway, people should stop doing that. Yeah, yeah, stop stop using that word. That's a bad word. Yeah, it doesn't mean what I think you think it means. Now, what's the quote? <laughs> you keep using that I don't, word. It doesn't mean what you. I don't. Think. I don't it think doesn't it means mean what you what think it means. Yeah, what do you it. think it means? I don't think it means what you think it means. Yeah, there you go. There you go. My uh, name is Amigo Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die. Okay. What else you got, man? What else? Do you want to talk Ooh, about flying taxis? Uh, yeah. Paris, the 2024 Olympics? Yes. Wait, what? Yeah. So I am fascinated by the electric VTOL uh, market. Yeah, so vertical takeoff cool. and landing aircrafts. But yep. uh, there's a company out of... Germany called Volocopter. Volo? Volocopter? Yeah, I guess you'd say it that way. Anyway, they just picked up another $241 million in funding, and they say that their flying taxis are now just two years out. They're already working on a deal with Paris, who has the 2024 Olympics. And with every Olympics, you know, the cities want to do it bigger and better and have like the coolest new things. Well, they want flying taxis to be a big part of what what we see electric air taxis uh, in the 2024 Olympics. That's pretty cool. Awesome. And, and I, I believe that we're close to being able to do it right. Like lift off, carry people, all that stuff. Uh, yeah. And this is a really cool image, by the way, it's a neat looking thing, but um, I think the bigger problem there is going to be regulatory and airspace. 
right? Yeah. Which is great. I mean, if they're close to it, then that hopefully they're having those conversations. But uh, making well, tie sure back they, to the remote ID stuff. operations, stuff like that. If yeah, you, oh, yeah. If you require all drones, all just like hobbyist drones to be able to or to be broadcasting your location and all that kind of stuff, it's going to make it easier for more complex operations. Like I do agree um, with that, right? If you've got if you've got commercial electric taxis that are flying at lower altitude, uh, you know, you want to know where all those things are so you don't have a collision. But uh, yeah, this also this, I, I think it would be uh, an F sound at the beginning, not not a V. I I wasn't looking at the copter? article, but it starts with a V, say. so it's a follow copter. Follow. Yeah. Okay. W's W's are the V sounds in Deutsch. Oh, that's right. And V sounds more like an F. Yes, it, I think okay. that's the easiest way to describe it. I don't know. I uh, didn't take. Anyways, that. you did. Well, I, I thought it was neat. Follow because yeah. it kind of fall. Anyways, I'm I'm not going with that. Any it, it, that that is cool. That is sleek. It looks awesome. And if they're two years out, I'm pumped about it. Yeah. Uh, I I wonder. Um, I'd actually like to know more about the batteries in it too. I wonder how how far it can go, how quickly it can go if they're designed to you know pop the batteries out, pop in new ones because that's even faster than like a rapid recharge, right? Hmm. Um, I wonder if it's uh, like a landing pad as a takeoff area, and then you can drop in various areas. I, 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 the restrictions on how you'd use it would be really interesting because I think the problem, even with a vertical uh, takeoff and landing device, is that you need somewhere to safely land, right? Um, unless you're going to, you know, hover above and push people out, which is, that'd be cool too. But, yeah. uh, <laughs> but you, you basically, you have to, there ha there's an infrastructure element to how you even utilize that because yeah. you can't just use the streets. Well, something's going to happen, man, because uh, yeah. United Airlines, uh, it was just announced that they agreed to buy $1 billion worth of commuter electric aircraft. Cool. Yeah. So <sighs> the concept here is you're going to be doing, you know, small regional city to city hub type of stuff on these things. You know, if you need to make a, a really quick uh, trip from, I don't know, maybe Houston to Austin or something like that, or I'm trying to think of something up in the Northeast that may, yeah. that may make more sense up there. But man, I, if, if you're looking for industries to invest in battery technology should be on your short list as yeah. well as battery recycling organizations because yeah. there are a gajillion tons of uh lithium ion and nickel metal hydride and all kinds of other batteries that are being produced right now that are going to be completely irrelevant in the next three to five years and we're going to have to do something with them and all of the materials used to produce those batteries are in short supply with costs that are going up like yeah. that industry is definitely one you want to watch because yeah. All of the ideas around these vehicles are going to come back to how do we do it cheaply? And the answer is going to be heavily tied to battery tech. Yeah, battery tech. density, you, quicker yeah. charging, lighter, all, juice, lightweight. all of yeah, the exactly. things. And, and then it, the other, like the big ones, right, are how are they produced and what materials do they use? It's like if you need cobalt, you're going to have an expensive, heavy battery. Yeah. So... That that kind of it's that stuff so cool. I yeah. I have gone into like the the darkest corners of researching batteries recently because I we talked about I'm getting solar installed. Well, right. getting a power wall is extremely expensive. The cost per kilowatt hour is stupid, and there is no return on that investment other than feel good in the event that you have uh, you know an yeah. electricity loss for somebody like me, somebody who's off grid. There might be a different equation because dude, I was loving your Tesla idea. The uh, that's by, so cool. Uh, you should tell the people about what you were, what, yeah. what were you telling me so, about yesterday? What so I'm, out? I'm all over it. Like if I can pick up a salvage Tesla and, and then strip it of its batteries, which yeah, I, I think Tesla, I'm going to have yeah. a hard time doing, um, cheaply, it would be cheaper than, than getting the equivalent, uh, you know, power wall installed yeah. as an example. But think, think about like your Tesla's since they were released, have somewhere between a 65 and a hundred kilowatts worth of battery in them, right? And some of them can be used for 12, 24, or 48 volt uh, parallelism, right? So fairly low voltage, which is useful for, for various reasons in 
the same applications. It's complicated. This is not something the average user is going to want to go DIY and, and better understand electric systems pretty well because there isn't a whole lot of information out there. But sure enough, um, there there are models of Tesla that that can be converted effectively to home power sources, backup batteries at a cost per kilowatt hour that is dramatically less expensive than anything commercially available right now. Um, and some of that's because of repurposing. Some of it obviously is because somebody basically paid full price for all those batteries and then wrecked their car. Yeah. <laughs> so, so they're losing value and there's risk and all that too, but it is Which a again, super interesting. Tesla use ever get wrecked. I thought it has all kinds of like anti-collision <laughs> stuff. Probably doesn't right? stop it from running into the wall that you jerk the wheel towards when it's going 100 miles per hour though yeah but it should right not that smart shouldn't it prevent you from ramming anything should i I guess you get surprised by things or you get hit by yeah i think other people hitting you probably happens a lot yeah but i see a lot of front end damage without back end damage what's the name of that dilemma sandwich but what's the name of that dilemma where you've got the yeah the trolley dilemma is that what it's called the trolley dilemma for sure yeah 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 it's just interesting. If you if you if you have an imminent wreck and the Tesla observes it and it says, Do I stay on my path and get hit, or do I move out of my path and potentially hit something else or somebody else? I take less damage, something else gets damaged. Mm, interesting. Yeah. Trolley dilemma is a fun one because it isn't the premise. You're you're on a track, you can't stop the the train, the trolley. You yeah. are absolutely one hundred percent aware of the fact that you're going to hit one or five people on your track right in front of you. You're you're going to kill five people. You can't avoid it, but you can change the track that you're on. You can divert. And if you divert, you will absolutely without a set, any scent of doubt, there's nothing you can do. Kill one person. Yeah. So you're either going to choose to save five, but actively make the decision to kill one. Right. That's the key. Or to you're it. just going to let it go and kill yeah. five because that's the if track. You don't inter- if you don't intervene with the if system, you don't intervene then yep. it's going to do its own thing and you have no you have yep. no right or requirement to to jump in and it's going to kill five people but the the dilemma then is yeah do you jump in as an outsider you, intervene yep. and cause the death of some other person that wouldn't do you been. act on the system and are you choosing to kill one person or are you just choosing not to see five people die yeah it's quite the dilemma it's an interesting one for yeah. sure and then it's actually come up a lot in electrical vehicles too, because of what you're talking about is do well, it, even from a culpability perspective, if, if the Tesla doesn't see a, you know, basketball bouncing across the street and it swerves to avoid uh, hitting a parked car or, or an abrupt stopping car, yeah. probably a terrible example, because I think of cars stopping abruptly, there's probably a reason and it's radar. It's actually gonna pick this up. But if it swerves around and hits a kid, is that, was it the right decision and whose responsibility is it? Right. Well, it's funny. I, you always love Google searches, but you go put in <laughs> trolley problem or trolley dilemma. And it the first thing is just what you wrote. The second one is trolley dilemma answer. As if like people yeah. are Googling, what's the answer? Do I, <laughs> should, should I kill the person? Uh, should I intervene or not? Like that's the whole point. It's a, it's a psychological, you know, anyway, whatever. Okay. Actually, the question should see what's the law say? Because the law says if you intervene, it's on you. You probably have your answer. Uh, yeah, yeah, and you'll see that in um, like concealed carry classes and all that kind of stuff. You have no, you have no um, requirement to intervene in right. any kind of situation. And then like if you that. do, you have culpability if it goes sideways. Right. Yep. Exactly. So let's that's, get back uh, to it's EV an unfortunate. TOLs. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I, I just. They man, are I'm more so fun. fascinated. I am so fascinated by that. I cannot wait. I cannot wait for that. I'm going to be, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I'm going to sell. I'm with you. I, I, I want, I want a commercial one. I always thought it'd be fun to have a helicopter license anyways, but helicopters are. Dude, me too. That's what like I tried to do in, not in college. <laughs> yeah. I was going to go to flight school and then I was going to join the military and flight school was super expensive. So I said, okay, let's go military. <laughs> and my wife was, that? yeah, my wife was uh, raised in a military family. And she's like, no, let's not do that. Uh, Cause I like not. hanging out with you. So here I am, but dude. Can you imagine like you're in DC and you order an Uber X or whatever, but it's a it's a follow copter or whatever, you know? Uh, yeah. It's a Kitty Hawk or it's a 
there's an Ilium or, you know, there's a whole, there's just like five or six really, really big ones that are having a lot of success yeah. right now. And you just say, yeah, take me to Baltimore. No traffic, no nothing. Just a super quick flight through the air. I just can't wait to see what the costs are, right? Because I, I would expect it to be like other private aircraft, which means mostly out of reach for the average Joe. But but that's where that's what they're making saying it electric will drive costs down. Uh, helicopters, um, I think in general, like like a quad, not a helicopter, that's a bad example, but quads uh, and electric vehicles in general potentially have lower maintenance requirements as well, which is great. It will drive the cost down, but you're still paying for a pilot. And, and unless... Uh, Unless they become so popular that, like a taxi or uh, like a gig version of a taxi, you know the Ubers, the Lyfts of the world, um, it is you're you're basically offsetting that cost and just getting a few cents per mile. Then then the costs of private aircraft like that, I, I the regulatory requirements for maintenance alone are going to double or triple what it would cost to take a taxi. At sure. least it's probably bigger than that. Yeah. Well, I don't know that they're going to require a driver. It's oh, all going to be that's GPS fair. based and everything. Yeah. So they have, they have single seater and two seater versions. They're still going to have extreme maintenance requirements. So you think about even, even having your own sure. private, you know, if you want to fly a, a two seater Cessna, you have to have certain licenses and your vehicle has to be maintained to a certain standard to be able to make certain types of trips. Right. So if you're going from this, yeah, airport, but you, don't have, you don't have to have a license. No, no, no. So uh, no, no, no. It, it has talking infrared about camera. Oh, sorry, Understood. I, I'm so I'm talking about licensure. That's part of it. But then your vehicle also basically gets a license that says it is maintained to this standard and can do these things as a result. I get you. So that maintenance burden has significant cost. Sure. I, I guarantee you that any flying taxi is going to have much more stringent maintenance requirements than a vehicle that sits on the ground because the loss of functionality is far more catastrophic for anything sure. that's flying off the ground. Yeah. So, okay, take the pilot out. That's fantastic. That's actually amazing. And it yeah, will drive from costs. Like a cost yeah. perspective, right? It's all autonomous. It's, it's fully right, autonomous. But the maintenance costs are going to be considerable sure. for stuff like that too. So, yeah. Again, if you take the pilot out and you take the cost of fuel out because it's electric and we we're charging it all with solar and it's, it's closer to free, right? If it's the yeah. cheapest electricity you can get your hands on and, and you, you have, you know, you're consuming batteries that last 20 years, right? And you've got vehicle components that last 20 years. You, you've driven costs down considerably. It's not going to cost as much as a private flight from A to B, right? right. But yeah. you're still going to be paying a lot more than you're paying for an Uber because the cost yeah. to maintain the vehicle so that it's safe for flight is going to be an order of magnitude more expensive than what it takes yeah. to maintain your car to make it safe. Sure, sure. Oh, it is interesting to think about though, because and and maybe it's just a maybe it's a marketing thing, and they're going to lose money on it. Um, but uh, follow 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 copter. Uh, they're saying Foil. that uh, what they're going to do at the Olympics is it will be the price of say an UberX, right? So I don't know if they're just that, using that has to be losing money. It's got to it, be subsidized. Yeah, I I, it's I find it hard to believe either that or you're going to lose people, which is not going to be less expensive than an UberX. You're going to lose I, people. Like I, people are going to die. Yes, is that what you mean absolutely. Oh. There's a reason that we we have look think think of it this way. Every every maintenance requirement spec for an airplane is written in blood. Sure. So you're either going to take that base of knowledge and put the same maintenance spec together for a drone that carries people, or you're going to get the experience that forces you to do it later. <laughs> Did you remember the, there was a recent flight that uh, remember we talked about on the show where the engine like ex exploded over Colorado and parts were flying <laughs> right to the ground. Yeah. The engine still functioned, but it was on fire. There, right. there, there's a famous photo, not a famous, but like an internet famous photo of there's a, there's a maintenance guy with duct tape, uh, taping that component on on the ground, you know, like the plane is sitting on the ground and he's standing inside the front of the engine. He's got duct tape going over the top of the engine to tape that, like the the front, oh, uh, yeah. the, like the front cap, basically. <laughs> like I saw that picture. Yeah, right. somebody merged those photos together, and it it was a it was a viral <laughs> tweet where the the engine's on fire and the guys. I mean, this is at altitude, and the guys standing in the front of the engine taping a new one on <laughs> that That's fell awesome. on the ground. Good uh, enough. Relating it, yeah. Relating it to, you know, I don't know, building a plane in flight at a startup or something like that. It was kind of funny. That's hilarious.
yeah. Anyways, I, I, it's, it's cool that it's going to cost as much as an UberX. I think a lot of people will use it as a result. Um, but that it's no, no way, no way is it going to cost as much to maintain those as it does to maintain a, a car. Now, hopefully they can drive it down. Like I said, there's a lot about an autonomous electric flying vehicle that mm-hmm. could drive substantial costs out of what we're used to from yeah. a, a traditional vehicle perspective it, alone, the, where they land, right. You think about yeah. airport fees in, in any other, they, they're big because they're coming in very fast and in a straight line, you go to a vertical takeoff and landing, you need less infrastructure just to, to provide landing and takeoff. Yeah. So yeah. that will drive costs out of, of systems like that, which is brilliant. So will it be cheaper than, than a private aircraft? I believe absolutely. Will it be cheaper than a car-based transport system? Almost certainly not. That's yeah. my take. Debatable, man. I don't know. You look at it, it's not just today. a giant drone. It's got like 12 or 14 rotors on it, which is nice because if one breaks down, it's not going to mess with the, the dynamics of it too much. Um, Great. So now you have 14 points of failure, which means you have 14 <laughs> time to failures and you have 14 things that have to be replaced uh, and maintained. Redundancy okay. has what news you direct got, we, costs. How many engines does your car have? <laughs> Oh, that's one. right. The one. So how many engines do you have to maintain? That's Although, right. The one. <laughs> yeah. 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 Although they're bringing, uh, they're going to create an electric Corvette that's got two electric motors in it. Um, and I was also reading about the Ford uh, Mach-E that they were having issues with it. I read two things about it. One, that it was eating into Tesla sales, but I didn't realize the Mach-E was already being sold. Or I guess people yeah, can either. just go buy it and they're i guess they're assuming since there's demand for the maki that it's going to eat into tesla demand and then i saw a new the new bronco uh out on like driving through my uh, car through my neighborhood the other day give him that really yeah cool i was out running and it went by i didn't realize they were out in the wild yeah i didn't know that either i didn't know you could buy them already i I, uh, I gotta hand it to ford on that one those those broncos are pretty good looking i will say that it does look really cool but it's smaller than i thought it would be and I was Broncos like, no way is small. that. Broncos what? are small cars. They were never yeah, that I, big. I don't know. I I just like I had the I had the um, Jeep uh, Wrangler Unlimited Sahara whatever. Oh, the, oh like, like the bigger version of a Jeep. Well, yeah, it's a four door version of the Jeep. But anyway, right. the Bronco went by, and I was like, that's kind of like a really like on the small side of a mid size SUV. I Interesting. Don't I don't. I haven't seen one in outside of pictures online so i have no concept of just scale i just remember small. broncos not being large to begin with right i would expect yeah, them to maybe like you're right the size of a know. light duty truck maybe maybe it's because i was a smaller human whenever broncos originally <laughs> existed and <laughs> now i'm a bigger human also you drive an f-250 yeah it could be all I cars so. probably look smaller after a couple of years of that yeah i think you're right like it's just it sat low to the ground it didn't it didn't have this like overwhelming like big I don't know. Look, to you got to tweet out a picture. I Did should. It's not that great of a photo because I was running. Um, uh, yeah. Anyway, Jesus. but I did. I did see one. Okay. All right, man. What else we got? What? Uh, I don't know. We got to wrap up pretty soon. Um, we do. Uh, oh, did... dude. Did you see this? A Culver City company is developing a device the size of a breadcrumb that doctors can oh. insert into the spine or skull and magnetically steer to target to deliver a precise dose of drugs. Cool. They've been working on stuff like that forever. No, I I didn't see that one, but I I shoot. I think my aunt worked on like marker based drug delivery technology 40 years ago with her microbiology background. Like I want to see these things happen. Yeah. Um, But so I was with it until you're steering it magnetically. I've messed with magnets before and that makes me nervous. It just Why? doesn't seem well. Okay, but you're steering you're steering this little tiny drill sure. through somebody's body yeah. with magnets. So magnets can easily be interfered with. Magnets can easily like right. suddenly flip and so move, it's, and it's no. And then you're no, going to cause can. this thing to just jump off in a different direction and drill right through you. If you if you understand how basically any modern scanning technology works, then you understand that a human with a joystick is not going to be doing the steering. Yeah, no, I know. And if they could get a picture of your red blood cells in a, in a cat or pet or MRI unit, 
using giant magnets, then I, I'm pretty confident they could steer a micro-sized device through your body using magnets. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Just we, we use we use precision magnet stuff for all the things we're doing in in fusion advancement as well. So now I'm I am not at all skittish about using magnets to steer okay. things. Anyway, it seems super cool, right? Because from a like a cancer tumor perspective, yeah, they got to flood um, the the therapeutics into your blood, right, in mass quantity because then it gets diluted, and you want to make sure that enough of it gets to the tumor. But now yeah. your entire body is subject to what's going on. Well, if they can have these little microscopic, well, it's not even microscopic; you can see it. There's a, I mean, it's really tiny. Well, yeah, it doesn't look like about the size of small, a breadcrumb. But, yeah, sure. Yeah, drop that in your uh, <laughs> drop that in your system and steer it like uh miss frizzle on the magic school bus right into the tumor and drop Pretty off the impressive. payload and head out yeah it's Ooh, yeah crazy. that is that's not uh i'm excited about it though i hope uh, i hope they come through i hope it's successful i hope it does what it's supposed to do um because that would be a huge advancement medical technology is going to be pretty awesome in the next decade as well we got lots of exciting stuff going on there oh yeah as long uh, as we can make it past 2029, let's get those space lasers on the backside of the moon to shoot this like God of Chaos it. asteroid out of the <laughs> out of the sky, man. Pew, pew, pew. I want to catch it. Let's get a can we get like a moon net? You know, that's actually smart because it's made of a lot of really I mean it's it's yeah, got some pretty stuff, valuable right? uh metals in it. Yeah. That's right. Nickel and iron and all kinds of stuff. Let's uh let's stop crashing um starships and How start. Throwing them at asteroids. How would we catch an asteroid traveling that fast that's the size of the Golden Gate Bridge besides put catching it, it with the planet? Put an array of things around the sun and then have them slow it down. <laughs> what? I have no idea. No, that is an extremely difficult problem to solve. That's why we don't do it. Yeah. Because <laughs> if, if it was trivial, we'd be doing it. We would, we would be saying, hey, we, we have another payload coming from outer space. It's going to be a good yeah. day. You know, I think you could probably go put some put some rockets up there that go to basically land on it, and then they fire thrusters in the opposite direction to slow it down, right? Yeah, because landing on asteroids is easy peasy. Didn't they did it in uh, Armageddon with Steven yeah, Tyler? Sure, no, and then that was a documentary, so that's fair. <laughs> did you see the comment? <laughs> the show The Office may soon become a historical document on what office <laughs> culture was like. <laughs> no, that's awesome. Oh, that's good. Um, right. Well, this we isn't super exciting. We do need to shut it down. But uh, Parler sued Amazon again. Um, this time, not <laughs> not out. quote not because they took them offline, or at least not directly. Like, hey, put us back online. They sued them because of the massive valuation loss that they saw because of the action of taking them offline. So I, I still think they're going to have a tough time with that case. Of course, I understand if you think you were worth a billion dollars and now you're worth pennies or whatever the equivalency was um, that, that you think it's probably worth taking on Amazon. But I think what they're going to find is that the terms of service Amazon puts forth says, if you do things we don't like, we can shut you down. And uh, well, I don't know, best of luck to them, legally speaking, but I don't think it's going to work out. Well, Amazon also says that if you sell something in our store that we think we can build, then we're going to build it better, advertise it more, and sell it for cheaper. <laughs> yeah, and if they can stand, if they can <laughs> defend better, that, we're just they can probably it. crush Parler's claim here. Yeah. So it, it'll be interesting to see for sure. But it, I thought it was funny that they basically said, "Okay, fine, we're not going to see you," and then turn around and sue them again. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. Well, that fun. brings Happy Friday. another tech breakfast podcast to a close absolutely happy friday have a great weekend everybody thanks for listening thanks for subscribing thanks for sharing with your friends thanks for joining us and we'll talk to you next week bye bye